0: Hi, and welcome to Unquenchable Hope. I'm Luanne Botta. And I'm Mary Ann Crum. We know it's
1: hard to hang on to hope in a world that sometimes seems bent on stealing it, but it's not impossible. So stay tuned as we tackle all kinds of issues and talk about how, you know, no matter what this world dishes out, you can live with unquenchable hope.
0: Hey, everybody. My usual podcast buddy, Lou Ann, is off spinning plates. We pre record these a little bit in advance, and Lou Ann has quite a number of things going on at the same time. So she asked me if I could come up with another plan. And so I immediately thought about my friend, Heidi Blake, who has been with us for the three previous episodes. God's been doing some pretty cool things in her life. So I wanted her to share some of that with us. So what's going on?
1: Yeah, well, recently, I kind of hit a crisis in my life. And I probably need to go back to the beginning a little bit. Actually, I've been a a believer, really, since I was about nine years old, And I think it was a vacation Bible school, you know, like so many of us were in a vacation Bible school and they presented the gospel and I accepted it. And I didn't really get an opportunity to go to church very much after that. But then when I went to high school, I was able to go with my friends to a youth group. And that's where I really started getting some teaching. And that is when I was baptized and decided to join the church. I have really known since that time when I was baptized that I was baptized kind of under the wrong pretenses. How old were you? I think I was 16. Okay. Yeah, I was 16. We were at a Carmen concert. So you have to be... Carmen. No, There's a last for the past. Know, you have to be over a certain age to know who Carmen is, but he was a wonder. And <laughs> we were at a Carmen concert with the whole youth group. And I saw all of my friends suddenly leaving to go down somewhere. I didn't know where they were going. And so I just followed them. Then they were going down to the front because Carmen was kind of calling people down to the front. And then I realized that they were all, I guess, answering the call to go back into these rooms. (laughs) They felt like they were being convicted by the spirit that they needed to confess their sins and become a believer. And so I just sort of followed into those rooms. And of course, then everybody's talking to you about becoming a believer. And I'm sitting there going, well, I believe this stuff, and I want to mm-hmm. be a part of this. I just kind of got swept up in it. And so the natural progression of that was, hey, go back to your home church mm. and join the church and be baptized. And so when I got back, that's that's what I did. I got baptized with all my friends. But didn't they talk to you before that? No. Sure. Yeah, I, I mean, like the, this-
0: the youth pastor or whatever. Yeah, you, you know,
1: ask us if we believed.
0: As you were going under, right? <laughs> kind of. I mean, they didn't talk to you ahead of that.
1: That was many years ago. so I'm sure they did. Yeah, I just can't remember specifically. But you would have known the right answers. to. Oh, to I knew the answer. right answers. Yeah. Of course, I knew the right answers. Yeah. Yes. I felt like I wanted to be a part of the church. That felt like a home to me. Hmm. I wanted to be a part of that group. The church was a, a group of people that was always very accepting of me. And uh, at that time of my life, I really struggled with acceptance. It just felt like a natural thing for me to be one, a part of that group and whatever it took, I was going to do and, okay. you know, being saved and getting baptized and kind of like a sorority initiation. Yeah, Exactly. I mean, I believed in Jesus and I knew he had died for my sins, but there wasn't at that point in my life, very much of an understanding of surrendering my entire life, mm-hmm. you know, to God. And it was more like, I want Jesus to save me from the fire, kind of. Right. Anyway, so that's the backdrop for the whole story of where I am now. Because I think even from that moment, I really had my own agenda. And I was just deciding to put God on top of that. Okay. So even when as a teenager and a young adult and in my 20s and 30s, when I became a Christian, it was like, God is saving me from hell. But I didn't really think that I needed him to, I guess, control my life now. I was just trying to pursue what my goals were in life and then put God's morality and God's plan, fit it into what my plan was.
0: I know because we've been in the same churches for a long time. So I know you heard like a gazillion sermons on that. So what did you think when you heard those sermons or when you saw other people that maybe seemed like they were more surrendered or more on fire?
1: Yeah, I knew. I knew deep down that I wasn't completely surrendered. You know, you hear the same truths over and over again. And sometimes you walk up to that line or you're on the edge of the fence or, you know, walking the fence and, you know, okay, There are all these people who are on the other side of the fence. I can clearly see that those people are 100% surrendered and Mm -hmm. they're going to do whatever God calls them to do. I want to stay on my little safe side of the fence and just live my life, but also put God's morality on top of that. I told myself that if he ever called me to do something specific, I would do it. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't really looking for that or thinking about what that would be, or even just having the attitude of I wanted to hear from him if it was something other than what I was doing.
0: So you didn't get convicted when you would hear sermons about that?
1: Yeah. Or did,
0: when you sang, I surrender all, were you singing, I surrender part of it? (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's really hard to explain, but I felt like I was over and over again walking up to a line. But there was this thing in my life that I didn't want to give up. And so I would feel like I had stepped over the line and surrendered everything to God. But then I would very quickly grab that, that thing back that I didn't want to let go of. Okay. Are you going to
0: tell us what that yes. thing was?
1: The agenda that I've had since I was young was that you know I always wanted to get married and have a family. I just assumed that was going to be a part of my life and I pursued that pretty vigorously throughout most of my 20s and 30s and even a little bit in my early 40s just constantly trying to meet the one who would be a good person to marry and then have children. Mm -hmm. And so I was really very much focused on that. And the idea of giving that dream up or thinking that God wasn't going to give me that dream was that line, that line that I wasn't willing to cross. So
0: were you convinced at some level that he really wasn't good or that he would call you to do some hideous thing that
1: you didn't want to do? Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of people that when they're hesitant to follow Jesus, they're thinking to themselves, yeah, but I don't want to be a missionary in Asia or I don't want Mm -hmm. to be a missionary in Africa or some kind of extreme thing like that. And that's what causes them to hesitate. What was causing me to hesitate was, Well, God is causing me to let go of this desire to be married and to have children. What if he keeps me that way? What if he keeps me single, keeps me... But that desire is not wrong. No, no, of course it's not wrong. Yeah. And it's not wrong to have that desire. And it's a desire that oftentimes God will fulfill. But I think the thing is, are you willing to hold on to that thing above Jesus? I remember one time that I did feel convicted was one time I was uh, reading about the rich young ruler, mm-hmm. who in the Bible, I think it's in Mark 10. Actually, it's I think in three out of four of the Gospels. It might even be in four of them. But there's this guy that approaches Jesus and says, Hey, you know, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, we'll follow all the commandments. And he says, Well, I've done all of that, mm-hmm. you know, since my youth. And then Jesus tells him, Well, then sell all of your possessions and give them to the poor and follow me. And mm-hmm. the guy walked away from Jesus at sad, that point, and it says he walked away sad. Sad, yeah. He knew he knew that he was walking away. It's like Jesus had
0: these laser beam eyes; he could see right into the heart. Mm-hmm. And so you felt like he was doing that with you and the marriage thing. That was the one thing.
1: Yeah. So I felt like Jesus was saying, Wa- not that he wasn't going to give it exactly to you. the young ruler. Who knows? Jesus yeah. may have said, "Okay, you sold." all your possessions, gave them to the poor, follow me. And then he might've turned around and said, now go back to your house and rebuild your riches and keep giving to the poor. Who knows what he would have told him? I mean, we really don't know. But we know that Jesus wanted him to be willing to lay all of those things down. Mm -hmm. And it's an attitude Mm-hmm. of surrender. It's an attitude of surrendering everything to God.
0: And it's a process, too. It's not like a once-and-done mm-hmm. thing. We were talking before we started recording about the difference in our testimonies. I came to the Lord when I was 19, and for me, that decision was kind of an all-or-nothing thing because it meant I was perhaps laying down all my relationships. I knew it was going to be this drastic change in my life, and that some of my friends were probably not going to be able to hang with that. In fact, I was engaged to Joe, who's my husband now, and I really assumed that the wedding would be called off, and Mm. that would be it. Like, I knew he didn't want to be married to a little holy roller. (laughs) And even though we were engaged, I don't remember ever talking about God. I would drag him along to the church that I was going to with my parents, but It was really boring to me, and he was just going along to be nice. I really figured that this was a deal breaker for him. And lo and behold, God really did a a work in his heart too. But Mm -hmm. it really meant to me laying a lot of the things that were most important to me on an altar and saying, I know this is true. I know this gospel is true. I know this is the thing I've really been looking for. So for me, it was thinking that I was laying all those things down. But for you, it was your membership into a group of people that right. you wanted to be around. So we've had a different approach and a different path. And being good friends, that different approach at different times has created a little friction, right? Because <laughs> we couldn't understand you're going to do this thing, then just do this thing. Although, having said that, it's not like I don't come up to that fence in my own life. Right. Everybody does, and in a lot of different ways. It might be relationships, it might be your possessions. Anything can become an idol that God wants to put his finger on just like right. Jesus did. So,
1: Yeah, God is a jealous God and he wants our whole heart. You know, yeah. that's what he wants. He wants our faith and he wants our complete trust and he wants us to worship him with our whole heart and our whole mind and our whole body and everything. And he doesn't want something else to be ahead.
0: And our natural him. bent is to drift from that. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe it was C.S. Lewis that said we're like idle factories. Yes. Because we can just create them. So even though our starting point in our faith was different, we all wrestle with that same oh, issue. It's not like I'm sitting over here going, well, I've never wrestled with that because... The whole Christian life is God continually drawing those lines Mm -hmm. in my life and saying, are you going to trust me enough to cross over this? Right. And I'm in my 60s, and he's still drawing lines.
1: He does. He does. He continues to ask our faith and... You counted the cost of becoming a Christian when Mm -hmm. you were trying to decide, if I do this, I might lose my fiance. Right. I might lose all of my friends who Mm -hmm. aren't going to think this is a cool thing.
0: Except the one that shared the gospel with me. Except for that
1: one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And and, I mean, it even talks in the Bible about counting the cost of becoming a disciple. It talks about, you know, if you're going to build a tower, don't you sit down and figure out if you can actually finish the tower, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you're going to go to war, don't you sit down and figure out if you have enough men and enough resources to finish the war. You counted the cost before you became a believer. I spent 20, 25 years of my life walking with the Lord, still kind of counting the cost of complete surrender. You know, am I willing to step across that line and, and completely surrender?
0: And We had this conversation, you and I did, multiple times, but I can't think of any more miserable place to be than sitting right on that fence. But I think there are millions of people in churches that are exactly where you've been,
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there's a lot of people out there that are trying to live halfway one way and halfway the other, Mm -hmm. halfway living by faith and halfway trying to do things on their own. Yeah. And it is a miserable place to be. It's horrible. There's a lack of peace there. There's conflict in relationships you just alluded to. You and I would come into conflict every once in a while. You couldn't figure out why I wasn't seeing things Mm -hmm. through the eyes of faith. And I was seeing things through the eye of let me control this. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of people out there that are afraid to completely surrender. But I mean, I'm on the other side of that now, recently having gone through that crisis and God taking me up to that line again and making that decision of, of crossing that line. And on the other side, oh my gosh, it's so much more peaceful, so much better. And let me
0: interject right here, because you know what Jesus calls people that are kind of where you were Not to offend anybody, but just so you'll know, he calls them vomit. (laughs) Yeah. In Revelation, let's see, where's this verse? Oh, Revelation 3, verses 15 and 16. He says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, that isn't a word picture that rocks your boat. I don't know what will. He didn't mince any words there in his description. I'm not saying that out of a place of superiority because there are so many different facets to our lives. We can get lukewarm Mm -hmm. in one particular area, Mm -hmm. or we can become like the rich young ruler in one little area. And all the rest of it, we're not having any problem with. And Lord, you're in control. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll give you whatever you want me to give. But there's this one little thing over here. Sanctification, yeah, I think is just a process of God shining His light oh, on those yeah, things. Definitely. But, okay, sorry, I didn't mean no, to interrupt, you didn't so, interrupt. So, what brought you to this? Well, because um, 20 years of my trying didn't do it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, just to be honest, you and I, every once in a while we would have a conflict. It was the same conflict over this issue of marriage and children and I uh, not wanting to let go of that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that you wanted me to let go of that. You would love for me to be married and have children. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Mm -hmm. You would love that for me. But the fact that my resentment and bitterness over not having those things would trickle into my relationships. It would cause me to treat people really horribly, Mm -hmm. especially close friendships like with you. I would treat people horribly because I was bitter about what I didn't have Mm. and sometimes even blaming other people for that. And I got to a crisis that I realized I need to really know from God whether or not I am supposed to let go of this or whether or not he's okay with me pursuing, especially the parent part of this on my own. I was thinking about fostering children. I Mm -hmm. I already am a foster parent. But even just thinking about having a full-time child in my home as a foster parent or as an adoptive parent. So I have been doing um, foster care for about three years as primarily as an emergency parent, especially through the pandemic. had a lot of teenagers in and out of my house, you Mm -hmm. know, one to two times a week, kids staying with me. And I really enjoy that. But I was really wanting to possibly have a child full time again once the pandemic was over. Mm -hmm. And even possibly thinking about having a child long term or even permanently. That was something that you could tell that I was striving after in my flesh that Mm -hmm. I was trying to make happen. I think sometimes as friendships, you can see what's going on with someone spiritually even more so than they can because they're deceived. So I was deceived. I felt like this was something that was coming from maybe a good intention, or maybe even coming from God. But really, I was deceived. And I was really just wanting to get my own needs met through making a family and the only way that I could do it right now, Mm -hmm. because I don't have a husband or biological children. And let me just throw in there that I have wanted to do foster care and and adoption well before I ran out of options as far as marriage goes. I Mm -hmm. mean, even when I was in my early 30s, and I assumed that I was still going to meet somebody, I wanted that to be a part of my life even after I got married. So this wasn't like a last resort. It is something that's on my heart. But I was trying to use that and force that into making my life look like I wanted it to look. So when that came to a head, caused a lot of conflict. On
0: my end, I just felt like I was watching you edge closer to a cliff that would have been maybe bad for you and for a foster kid at that time mm-hmm. in that particular frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I totally agree with you. Really just wanted to know from God. I was desperate to know from God who's right. Mm-hmm. But I was trying to walk out in the flesh, and you could see that in me. And you were definitely seeing things that I wasn't seeing. And so I reached out to a lady who does intense discipleship, or you could sometimes call it biblical counseling. So I started going through a process of going through the gospel with her, going through verses about love and friendship and the church.
0: When she was assigning you these verses to look up about the gospel, didn't you think, well, I already know all this stuff?
1: Yeah, that is the (laughs) funny part is she's like, okay, well, now we're going to spend three weeks going through the gospel. And I thought to myself, woman... And this is what I was thinking to <laughs> myself, woman, I know the gospel, I need you to help me with this problem that I have, yeah. you know, and it's so funny, because I just decided to trust God with the process and trust her with the process, mm-hmm. and trust that she knew that she needed to take everybody through the gospel. I assume she does that with everyone mm-hmm. that she's discipling and counseling. And it is amazing, because God speaks to us individually, when we spend time in the Word. And I... I was in the Word so much. She gave me a lot of homework, lots of verses to look up, lots of questions. The gospel really came alive to me really much more deeply than it had before, Hmm. just from spending so much more time in the Word. And she never gave me the answers. She made me seek those answers from God. And let me tell you, when God tells you something and you hear it from Him, it's powerful. Taking
0: that gospel and applying it to specific things in your life is an ongoing thing. We all need to preach the gospel to ourselves all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just about salvation because you were saved when you were 16, but taking that and then applying it to the Mm -hmm. idols of our heart, that's
1: a whole different ballgame. It is. And it's a (laughs) continuous process. Oh, yeah. It really is. But, you know, as I went through that process, I just realized I've always known that I've not completely surrendered to God. I've always known that I got in this whole thing through the back door. Didn't you have a healthy fear of lightning bolts? (laughs) Well, (laughs) no.
0: (laughs) To think, think, I've been to the beach with you and in the same ocean, I could have gotten fried too.
1: (laughs) And, you know, I think that's the thing about God's mercy is that... God is so merciful and so loving that he would spend 30 years pursuing me, knowing that I was resisting him, but still continuing to have me surrounded by believers in church, hearing the truth. And all that truth is in there. And then he just chose to kind of unleash it in my life when I finally accepted that I needed him. I mean, really, the thing is, I really thought I was a good person until I became a monster in our friendship and saw the sin in my heart and saw how horrible I could treat people. It's my and calling. Myself. <laughs>
0: I was called to be the human punching bag.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Really. I knew that we all sinned and I knew that I sinned, but I just kind of felt like, yeah, but I'm a pretty good person. That's that iron sharpening iron, don't you think? Yeah, it is. I mean, really, honestly, the closer you get to people, the more you realize how sinful you are. Yeah. And that's why people are important, because they reveal to us, I mean, most conflict is Caused by some sin in one or both people, right? And you don't see that sin and you don't see your need for Jesus and your need for his redemption until that conflict happens and you realize, Oh yeah. my gosh, I'm but
0: to your credit, you could have just written me out of your life to avoid the iron sharpening iron thing. And a lot of people do that, yeah. or whether they run from one marriage to the next marriage to the next or the next friendship, and people become disposable to them, mm-hmm. they don't want anybody to ruffle their feathers. So at least you hung in there.
1: Well, I just feel like it's because I've tasted and seen enough of God to know that if I walked away, I would be walking away from him. I knew that I needed to know from him. I had enough fear of the lightning bolt that I didn't want to walk away from God over it. I thought mm. that he would kind of let me hold on to my idol at the same time as I was worshiping him, but that's not the way he worked. Yeah. No, it's not. Mm-mm. Darn. No.
0: <laughs> I've had to lay down plenty of them too. So yeah. again, I'm not mother superior here by any stretch. And he certainly revealed things in my heart too through our friendship, so mm-hmm. it isn't all just about you right. feeling like a monster. As yeah, you put I mean, it. we She's a very polite quiet monster. <laughs>
1: I'm a very passive aggressive monster. But we were talking earlier before we started recording about and I wanted you to talk about this, that you don't want to have your faith in Jesus on top of you living through your own agenda and your own life. Yeah, you know, and that's what I was doing. I had an agenda, I had my life, and I really just wanted to use God as a whip topping. Mm. on the top of my my cake. And you were talking about how that sounded a lot like old wine skins. Right. Yeah.
0: And looking at our clock, I think we're going to save that story for our next episode. Okay. Okay. Is that all right if we do that? Sure. Sure. That's so we're going to close this one. And we'll continue this conversation. And that will be part two come back next week and hear us start out with trying to put new wine in an old wineskin skin and why that's a really bad idea we pray you've
1: been encouraged today and that you'll come back next week for more truth and hope and if you'd like to know more about us check out our websites those addresses are in the show notes and hey if this podcast encouraged you it can probably encourage someone else so please share it and share some hope